Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Bloomingdale Church Podcast. I am stand-in moderator Dan Marcello, and joining me is worship director and also co-president Jelly Bean Aficionado, Scott Reed. (laughs) The official realtor of the BC Podcast, Joshua Franklin Ramirez. Yeah. Is that really your middle name? Good to have you. It's it's Raymond. Okay. (laughs) That's what's on my sheet then. Everybody loves Raymond. (laughs) Glad to have you. Franklin makes you sound very patriotic. It does, yeah. I mean, it's Raymond, but I guess he got close. (laughs) Frank, that's like the same thing. (laughs) And we also have Grandpa of the Year, Bill Muffin Calvin. Woo! Grandpa! Scott, would you do us the honors of praying? I will. Podcast today. I'm eating a jelly bean. One second. Thank you, Max, aside for the jelly beans you so generously provided. We found the jelly beans in the the closet. (laughs) And uh, we're we're enjoying them. We're going to eat them on the podcast. You can't stop us, Max, because you're not here. (laughs) Okay, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this beautiful day. We thank you that we can come together on it and just spend time together and talk about things that matter. And I pray, Lord, that 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 is what would happen today, that we would talk about things that matter, things that matter for us, that we would grow um, and be better because of this conversation and things that matter to our listeners as well, that everyone who listens to this conversation would would grow and, and, and benefit from it. Lord, we thank you that Josh can be here today. Yeah. We pray your blessings on this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we're going to turn to you again, Scott, for our Would You Rather time. So, All right. So in typical fashion, I've come up with a new way for us to do Would You Rather. Since Max isn't here, we probably will come back to um, the the ranking one because we didn't do that The cat is the way the mice will play. Exactly. So (laughs) I thought that since Josh was here, Josh is our guest. And Josh is a... Thanks, guys, for having me. (laughs) Long-time listener, first time on the podcast. So... What we're going to do is is Josh is going to answer all of these questions. Yeah. Oh, no. And then Woo! we are going to take turns <laughs> is this grading hazing, his response. <laughs> Scott, does this constitute hazing? I don't know. No. Okay. okay. Um, I'm ready. Josh, just say no if you, <laughs> if you ever feel unsafe. Just throw it to um, yeah. So I'll, I'll wink. Josh is going to answer, and then we'll just take turns with each answer, giving it a, a grade, like a, an academic grade, oh. A to F. Or I guess A plus to F, based off of how we feel, you know, about his answer. Um, no pressure, Josh. No pressure, and it's it's all subjective. Uh, it's all subjective here. So this is just like you know, if Josh says something, you're like, "Whoa, I would not have done that." Then you say, "F." Okay. F. Can grade. I get some E for efforts too? <laughs> it's that's, possible. That's really up to the discretion. It depends on, of the it depends on your answers. I don't okay. Know. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Josh. Here we go. I don't know. I got three cards worth here, so we're not going to necessarily go through all of them, but we're going to see how far we go. I'm ready. Josh, would you rather sleep on the sidewalk for seven straight nights during normal weather? So seven nights for normal during normal weather or one night during the rain? Mm. I think I'm going to go with seven nights during normal weather because like one night in the rain would really stink. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Bill, what, how do you grade his answer? B. A B. B. B for Bill. B. <laughs> D for Dan. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, Josh, your next question. Would you rather always spit when you talk or always be spit on when spoken to? Ah. Uh, um, <laughs> I mean, if we keep on wearing masks for the rest of our lives, then spitting while I talk wouldn't be that bad. But I don't like the idea of spitting on others. So I think I'm going to get spit on. Cool. Bad on. Yeah. Wow. I give you an A plus for that answer, Josh. Very, that's very, a very humble, very, very other centric <laughs> answer. Yes. Yes. All right, Josh. Would you rather have the ability of ten athletes or the knowledge of ten scholars? 
Easy 10 athletes. <laughs> Dan, how do you grade his response? D. I would rather have the knowledge of 10 D plus, D man. Dan. I want to have the scholar's knowledge. Right. That's just a difference of opinion. I guess. So, Josh, you get, I mean, a, I you get an like, E for effort. It's I can be like opinion. the best baseball player, but also the best football player and like the best swimmer. Best tennis player. <laughs> yeah, wow. I could be Golfer. amazing. True. So you could be a millionaire. 40 and it all falls apart. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right. Hey, now. Josh, would you rather be... Eh, we'll skip that one. <laughs> would you rather disturb a hive of killer bees or a mother grizzly bear caring oh. for her young in her den? Ooh. I, I feel like I have a better, better chance of actually surviving against the bees. I think I think yeah. rather make the bees mad than a grizzly bear. <laughs> I feel like the bees, it seems like it's less your fault. Like it says you're in the bear's den. Like you're kind of walking up and like shaking their baby. <laughs> yeah. All right, Bill, how do you grade Josh's answer? A. a. Nice. All right, Josh, would you rather show up at your 20th high school reunion as the most successful person but with the ugliest spouse <laughs> or with the best looking spouse but minimal accomplishments. Oof. Um you know, I'll go with the best looking spouse with minimal accomplishments. Cause, you know, Trinity is going to be a, a PA. So she's gonna be super successful. And I'll be a stay at home dad. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Perfect. I'm glad you got to plot it out. Yeah. Yeah. I give that an A. Also mm. Everyone can see your spouse, but you don't have to tell them about your accomplishments. <laughs> <laughs> you can just change the subject. Tell us Keep about your accomplishments. Oh, Look oh, at that. Oh. Those sandwiches on the table, they look wonderful. Yeah, exactly. I'm All right, we'll lunch. go with one more, Josh, for you. Um, would you rather, while driving 60 miles per hour in your car, can your car get up to 60 miles an hour these days? Right now, my car is up to zero miles per hour. Okay. <laughs> That's a very safe speed. Yeah. Uh, so you're driving 60 miles an hour in your car. Would you rather go through a tunnel five inches lower than the top of your car Ooh. or go through a tunnel four inches too narrow on each side? Oh, goodness. Ooh. So you want to be missing the mirrors or the top of your car? Or the top of your head. Or the top of your head. <laughs> or, or your I feel like arm. the narrow thing, like if it's just missing like the mirrors and I don't know, it's a cool way to make a, like a, a drop top. If, like, the entire roof is gone. But you want to keep your head. Yeah. I do want to keep my head. Yeah. But I'm going to go with too short. Too short. Dan, how do you grade his answer? I give him a solid B+. Plus. B+. Just plus. be careful. Yeah. Got I'll drive like this. He's got a duck. Well, Josh, you did pretty well. You got one D, but everything else was A's and B's. And that's just because Good I job. like books, so. <laughs> that was a, a solid you round. Got, you got a Josh, D because you, well. you didn't like those books. <laughs> yeah, how dare you? That last one about the... Tunnel being too short. Way back in the early 90s, the Cleveland Indians had three of their pitchers in a boat. And they were out at night and they were flying along. And they went under like a wharf. And they, they got the tops of their heads decapitated. All three of them? No, but all three of them got injured terribly. Some some died, and others were just wow. just. I, I don't know what ended up happening to them in life if they're in a vegetative state. But that happened right just as spring training was going to end and the new season start, and they lost all those pitchers at one time, and nobody felt like playing baseball because my best friends just got killed. Right. It was really tragic. Young guys, oh man. I remember then. Ooh. Seen that in the news. Yeah. 
And listeners, you can't see this, but Bill is wearing a nice blue Indians mm. polo shirt. Yeah. Sporting mm. Chief Wahoo. You got to wear it while the Wahoo lives. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, moving on. Josh, I need you to do me a solid. Okay. Give me a number between 1 and 1,001. Oh, man. Let's go with 420. My 420. Really? Your birthday is April 20th? Mm-hmm. All right. Mine is April 23rd. We're almost birthday twins. Well, this is from the book, 1001 Things You Always Wanted to Know About the Bible But Never Thought to Ask by who, Bill? Stephen F. McNeil. <laughs> that was close. <laughs> J. Stephen Lang. All right. I got the Stephen part, right? The emperor of the galaxy. Number 420 is the anointing at Bethany. It reads this. Hmm. Washing the feet of one's guests was a normal custom in the dusty lands of the Bible. Ordinarily, a servant did the task, but the gospel record that a woman, woman bathed Jesus' feet herself, not with water, but with expensive perfume and with her own tears. The woman was known as being immoral, but Jesus was impressed with her devotion and told her her sins were forgiven. The disciple Judas Iscariot criticized the waste of the perfume, saying the money could have been used to aid the poor. But Jesus commended her generous act. Anything stand out to you guys in the anointing at Bethany? What do you... What are things that maybe you thought about it or that stick out to you? We have a message on this, like hmm. in the last year. Yeah, Joe Zanea. Yeah, uh, extravagant yeah. worship. Right. Yeah. Yes. Boy, that had to be a great message for me to remember that yeah. six months. That's true. And we were, we were outside, but in I think in the sun under the scaffold, that scaffold thing. Were we on the scaffolding? I think we were on the scaffolding. Yeah, I remember it being indoors because he had a picture. Right. Maybe it was Saturday. Oh, yeah, that's probably what you're remembering. By that point, we might have still had the 11 o'clock service outside. Well, I thought it was 2021. He did that like in, say, April of 2021. Oh. I think we had the 11 o'clock outside until Easter. Yeah. Easter okay. was like the turning point. But I think, I think it may have been after that. Yeah, he might have been post-Easter. Maybe it wasn't this guy. I could be wrong. But it was a great message. Moving it really was. It was. Extravagant <laughs> worship. <laughs> we've talked about the scaffold <laughs> the day that Joe had preached. <laughs> I just think it shows the hardness of Judas's heart. It really mm. shows poorly on him mm. that Jesus had been talking about this is what's going to happen to me, and he was more concerned about concerned about the money. Mm. And of course, there's that little aside there that said, "Oh, he was the one that kept the money box, and would go out and use things, you know, for his own self, buy stuff or whatever." Mm. But just shows he wasn't really at all concerned with the the things of the Lord. Mm. Probably just looking to line his own pockets. Mm -hmm. I've always kind of wondered about Judas and his relationship with the other disciples. Like, if, you know, because we obviously have 2,000 years of hindsight and we know what he did, but during those three years, was he, you know, would they ever have guessed, you know, that he was going to betray Jesus or that he was kind of an outlier? You know, did he feel different or was he just, mm -hmm. did he just feel like one of the, one of the 12? There's not really any great way to know, but I've wondered about that. Well, you can't help but wonder. Yeah. And yet, I think of when Jesus said, one of the 12 will betray me, and they're around the table. Mm -hmm. Nobody says, oh, it's, I bet it's Judas. I mean, because <laughs> right. Peter, Peter would have done that. Like, oh, Judas, you're, you're yeah. ratted out now, buddy. Or who even the one who be? dips with me in the dish. It wasn't like, oh, yeah. it's going to be. Or even when he would, Jesus said, what you do, do quickly. Mm -hmm. They were still were like, oh, he's probably talking to him about, you know, some kind of money thing that he's doing. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right. Yeah, they just had no idea. 
But I think of that passage, I think it's like Matthew 7, 23. On that day, many will say, Lord, Lord, didn't we cast out demons in your name? Didn't we prophesy? And he'll say, depart from me, I never knew you. Judas is one of those people. He, mm. he did cast demons out in Jesus' name, according to Luke 9 and 10. And mm. he probably did prophesy. He, he fit right in with the apostles. Mm. Whew. That's a they, real condemning passage about everyone who's not really living for Jesus Christ, but living for themselves. Yeah. You think that in the garden, they must have just been all in shock, taken off guard. I think like mm. Peter, man, if he really understood what, he's, what was really happening, maybe he would have kind of cut off Judas's head <laughs> or his ear, you know, yeah. like, I just think they were like, what in the world is going on here? And Peter kind of right. reacted by striking out at Malchus, the servant of the high priest. But yeah, probably good for Judas. They probably didn't fully realize what was <laughs> happening for his own safety. But then he ended up kind of offing himself, unfortunately. Josh, any thoughts to put you on the spot on the anointing at Bethany? Yeah. I. It is definitely like interesting that Judas was like, no, like, this oil, it's like it's worth so much. Mm. We could use it to help all these people. Mm. But like, like you said, Dan, like Judas is the one who he was like counting the money, and mm. he most likely was going to line his own pocket. Mm. Um, and it's kind of it's like you can walk the walk and talk the talk, and like you guys were saying, like the other disciples, just they probably would have never assumed Judas, mm. and. How like, and like everything that's going on with like pastors that came out, like all these pastors seemed like super great people, and like, mm -hmm. yeah, you know, but there, there's this other side of it that got yeah. exposed. Yeah, that's a good word, mm -hmm. good word of reminder to keep examining our own hearts, making sure we're right with God. Mm -hmm. Well, seeing no other comments, going once, going twice, <laughs> sold to Bill Calvin. No, we're we're gonna go to topic of the week, I believe. Oh, I'm not great on transitions on this thing. I don't, okay. know, what's <laughs> I don't know what's going on. I do know what's going. On. It's in front of my face, but just blame Max. I'm gonna, yeah, <laughs> You're supposed to be Max here. was our sponsor today. Is the Life Coaching Group? Hmm. What is the gap between where you are now and where you want to be? The Life Coaching Group is a guided discovery and coaching experience designed to help you understand the resources God has placed in you that set you apart. You're invited to a coaching group in which we will partner together in a thought-provoking and creative process to increase awareness and design action toward your God-designed potential using the IPSAT, the Identity Profile Self-Awareness Tool. A life coaching group. For more information and to register, visit bloomingdalechurch.org backslash lifecoaching. So if you're interested in that, go to that website and check it out. I believe there's going to be an upcoming class, upcoming trainings for that. Our topic of the week is mentorship. Mm. Of all the boats out there, mentorship might be the, the best. Sorry. <laughs> Friendship's pretty good. Friendship is also good. <laughs> well, discipleship. For topic of the week, we're connecting a bit with Sermon Roundup, which oh. mm. concerned building our lives on firm foundations. We want to take the opportunity to discuss mentorship. So let's dive in talking about initially someone or maybe a couple people that were mentors in our lives, kind of the role they played. Um, helping us develop spiritually, 
the most obvious are my parents. Mm-hmm. Yeah. While we're eating or in a living room, watching a show on TV, things happen and they speak up. Mm. I remember one time there was a carnival and that had, you know, like the bearded lady and world's shortest man. And my dad spoke to him and said, I don't like that. Mm. These people are human beings. You should not be made fun of, shouldn't be profited off of. That, that was a good life lesson just in a blink. And I can remember that, but hard to remember very many Sunday school lessons. Mm. So, so that's why parents had a big, mm. big impact on me. They, mm. they integrated the Christian life with what was happening right before me. Mm. I wish every parent in this church could hear what you just said. I think that would be a real encouragement yeah. to them, even in the small things. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes parents can think, oh, I have to go out and do this grandiose thing and explain and preach a kid, like a sermon to my kid. I don't know. I don't, like, what if they ask a question I don't know the answer to? But yeah. it's just those small conversations and doing life together. Yeah. It really makes a big difference. I remember there was this man walking down Broadway in Akron and he was bent over. And my dad said, You don't want to do this. You know why that guy's bent over? He's working two jobs. Maybe he knew the man personally. I thought, How does he know that? But he, he was. Very convincing. Don't overwork. Mm. With, don't try to run two shifts in your life because mm. most everybody in Akron was a factory worker. It'll it'll stoop you over just like that guy. Mm. That's very telling. You remember that? I mean, how many years ago was that? Was that fifty? Oh, easy. 55 yeah, years ago. Probably like a ten-year-old kid when he taught me that. Mm. Yeah. So any parents who are listening, don't discount the influence you have on your own kids. Amen. Yeah. Even yeah. today. Lines up really well with what we were talking about a week and a half ago with Jack Agar. Mm-hmm. Um, and just how important parents are. Yeah, it makes sense. We think about just how much how much opportunity parents have to have those conversations. You know, that the kind that kind of conversation that Bill was just describing, like you don't usually plan for that. It's just mm-hmm. like, oh, there's something, there's an opportunity. And then you you say it, and then it sticks with your your kid for mm-hmm. for the rest of their lives. Um, whereas, if you're mentoring in, in other capacities, which are also very valuable, you know, non parental mentors, and you get together an hour a week or whatever, like mm-hmm. that's so much more limited than than the time that you have with your parents when you're still living in their house. Mm-hmm. So, and my parents also definitely really were a big a big positive influence in my life, um, and I still go to my dad and. Now to, and to my mom as well, and now to Leah's parents too, um, for for counsel and guidance, and just having, especially when you're, if you're, if you are the parent, you know, then you got you know you have some responsibilities. But if if you are the parented, when your parents are Christians, there's just so much. Take advantage of that because that's such yeah. a blessing. Yeah, I agree. I still go to my parents' in-laws for advice and counsel. Parents just never stop being parents just because the kids move out of the house doesn't mean they're <laughs> not parents anymore. I've actually heard parents say that's really when the, the hard work begins. Mm-hmm. You get to be adults and making decisions and facing you know, temptations and really helping your kids in that realm and that scope of life is, can be challenging too. Yeah, I think of um, 
Vince DePaul. Mm. Um, because I've been spending almost every Saturday with him in his yard mm. for like two years now, three years. Mm. And now I see him every day in the week too. Mm. <laughs> um, but just like the... He's so humble in the way that he he acts and like being such a good role model and example in that um I think that he's just kind of really shown me a lot of kind of just like secrets and truths mm. of life. Um he's a fountain of wisdom. He, he, yeah, really, he really is. is. Yeah. And I he always starts off he always just like when he addresses something he's like oh but he's like i'm so blessed you know i don't deserve to be because i'm a a wretched a wretched sinner Mm -hmm. and he like keeps that in mind like whenever i talk to him he's like, i'm a wretched sinner Mm -hmm. only saved by grace Mm -hmm. um and like just like things like that i've been able to see his relationship with paulette Mm -hmm. um being able to just kind of see that and where they are and like the things that they've gone through um i think he's just been like a a very consistent person in my Mm. life and that's been really great that's awesome yeah i hope he gets a chance to listen to this or (laughs) you can tell him that face to face because i'm sure that'll make his day give him some encouragement yeah yeah i think um especially for i mean for really for everyone but when you're you know kind of in your teens and early 20s and mid 20s and uh, just having that person that kind of reaches out and cares for you mm-hmm. goes a long way. And the consistency, yeah. mm-hmm. just you know, that they they care enough to be consistent about this, uh, says a lot to young people. Mm-hmm. Has a big impact on their lives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's it's not like he's only going to be like I'm at this one aspect of your life, and then like the rest is up to someone else. Mm-hmm. He's like helping me spiritually. Um, he like wants to help me with my career and like things like that, education wise. Um, he's just super encouraging and like like you said, like I said, he's just been so consistent. Um, and it, it really shows that he cares and mm-hmm. you know, wants to be there. Yeah, that makes all the difference knowing someone's gonna be there for you in the long term, mm-hmm. not just the short term. I think <clears throat> entering into a mentor or mentee relationship, no matter which side you're coming from, I think there's a certain degree of, there could be a certain degree of trepidation, like, well, are they going to want me to mentor them or are they going to want to mentor me? But I think if you're in the mentor position, just kind of having the, you know, the I guess the backbone to keep reaching out and, and exhibit that consistency, it's going to go a long way. Because mm-hmm. um, I think even if even though they both do have a little bit of, of how's this going to go, um aspects to them I, I think when you're when you're the mentor generally speaking like you're older you're more experienced so mm-hmm. you know if there's someone in your life that you feel like you want to be mentoring that's just reach out and get the ball rolling because maybe they're thinking the same thing but honestly it's gonna be harder for them probably to to ask you to do it um mm-hmm. yeah. yeah there can be trepidation in that. like what if they say no yeah you don't want to be rejected right no one likes that Right. Yeah, especially by somebody you admire. Right. Because yeah. that's why you're asking them. Yeah. yeah. I'm thinking of someone in my own life who was our team leader in, in Mexico. And we moved in with 
he and his wife, when we first moved there and didn't have a house, lived with them for a period of about two months. In that time, I just really grew to admire him and see him as a mentor, someone that as soon as I'd come down the stairs in, in the morning, he'd already be awake. He'd be reading his Bible, listening to Scripture, singing praise songs. He was probably... Mm, probably early 60s. He has since passed on. He's with the Lord now. But I just really admired, like, he was very consistent in his walk with the Lord. It's the mm-hmm. first thing he did in the morning. He just really loved the Lord and loved connecting with the Lord. And that really spoke to me. Because there was someone that he'd been walking with Jesus for probably like 50 years. And he just mm. still every day make time for him, make time to connect with God. And I just saw him go through a lot of challenges, both health challenges, professional challenges, and just handle it with a lot of grace and a lot of mercy, mm. treating people with a lot of love that didn't treat him very well. And I was just, and I don't think I ever got the chance to tell him, like, before he passed away, like, you're, I see you as a mentor to me, but definitely have, have a lot to learn from him still, even though he's with Jesus now. Mm. I had a wonderful mentor in Omaha named Elmer Murdoch. And one thing that he was doing that I really didn't think much of at the time was he had his mother-in-law, who was 93, living in the home with he and his wife. Mm -hmm. And I could see that there were times where both he and his wife were frustrated by that because they couldn't just go anywhere, anytime. And they were very, very active people. Wow. He would show me his Franklin planner and he'd turn to a, a, a calendar day, a monthly calendar, and you would see it all filled in, like five things for every day for the whole month. I just wow. thought, I couldn't keep up with this guy. Mm-hmm. He's just got more energy. And he was in his 70s at the time. <laughs> So he was a wonderful mentor. He was the one that asked me, so what would you like to learn? And I, I pointed to his Franklin planner and I said, I'd like to learn how to use that. I've seen them at the Rotary Club and the guys that use them, I really admire, but I don't know what to do with the thing. And he got so excited because it turns <laughs> out he had just gotten it in that last year. He says, I wish I would have known mm. this stuff when I was your age because this is really working for mm. me. Cool. Yeah. So, of course, you go to the Franklin Planner Conference and I listen to the tapes and mm. you, you have to learn by doing, but it was nice to have a mentor there too to say, well, this is the... <laughs> One time I missed an appointment and I thought, oh, golly, how could... I, I missed the appointment with him and it was in part because of the layout of the Franklin Planner calendar, that when you get to the 30th and 31st, sometimes you just don't, the way they put the numbers, they put it at the top of the page instead of the bottom where you would think it would be for the, the date. And you just don't see it. And I had written it in, and it, it was like, oh, my gosh. I am so sorry. But he had mercy on me, in part because, hey, this is one of the foibles of this Franklin planner. Scott, did you have someone in your life that you wanted to share with us about? I've got someone right now who we've only gotten together a couple of times. We're actually getting together again tomorrow. 
Uh, I can't remember if I've mentioned him on the podcast or not, but his name is also Scott Reed, which is hysterical. Wow. Um, he works at a Willow Creek Wheaton campus. He was the worship director there, and now he's the lead pastor. Um, and so he, I think he's probably in his 40s. I think his oldest son just just started college mm. um, in the last you know, month. Um, but I've really, even even though we've only spent a couple times together, uh, really gotten a lot out of out of talking to him because mm-hmm. um, he's been in the ministry for a while, mm-hmm. and uh, just kind of hearing his perspective on on ministry things. And I think it's always it's really valuable. I think not that this applies to most of our listeners, but I think it's really valuable for people in ministry to talk to other people outside of their church mm-hmm. in other churches who are doing similar work. Because um, sometimes they've run into similar problems, and they have, you know, they they already came up with a solution, and sometimes they can just kind of empathize with what you're going through. But it's really, really nice. And also talking to someone who's who's you know further along in his career. Um, so yeah, I've really I've benefited a lot from our our few conversations, and I'm looking forward to, to getting coffee with him tomorrow morning. You'll never forget his name. <laughs> no, I won't. <laughs> no, I won't. <laughs> and it's neat that he's got that same worship kind of background. That yeah, he's yeah, it's really neat. Yeah, it is cool. Well, we're going to make a slight pivot, still talking about mentorship, but what do you guys think? Is mentorship something we find in the Bible? Is it a biblical thing? Does it have its roots in the Bible? Oh, this is yeah. not in my notes. I just made this it, question up. <laughs> I see it in the Bible all over the place. Give us an example. Well, Moses mentored Joshua. Mm. Mm. Then you get to the New Testament, and you see Paul mentors many people, Timothy and Titus mm. being two prominent ones. Mm. And it looks like it just has a way of multiplying that they pass this on to the next person. I don't know who Timothy's next person was, but I think of how it's affected my own life. Elmer Murdoch, not Elmer Murdoch, another Elmer, Elmer Fitch, the superintendent, had such a big impact on me when it came to working with ordination that I thought, this is the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. So that is one reason why I got into it. I thought mm-hmm. that helped me so much. I need to pay it forward and mm-hmm. do this with some mm-hmm. other people. Has like a trickle down effect of yeah. affects you, and then you are motivated to then go and do the same of like same thing that benefited you that you were really blessed by. Yes, mm-hmm. I think Christian mentorship has a lot to do. In fact, yeah, I think a case could be even made that they're the same. Uh, with discipleship, which mm-hmm. is definitely something that we're mm-hmm. that we're called to do in the scriptures, mm-hmm. um, to be making disciples. You know, not just making converts, but but uh, real disciples. And and as Chelsea has talked a lot about, because that's something that's close to her heart. Discipleship involves a lot of you know life on life relationships, mm-hmm. and um, and that's so. Yeah, I think mentorship in the church really is discipleship, and so yeah, that's definitely in the Bible. Yeah. Because, like we were talking about, mentorship is that consistency, and mm-hmm. it's the being there and you know actually caring. And mm-hmm. you know, Jesus did all those things with his disciples. Mm-hmm. He was and he spent years with them, so yeah, that's right. he was every day consistent with them. Um, so I think, yeah, Scott, you hit it on the nose. <laughs> I I agree with you guys. Thinking about well, you mentioned Timothy. I had him in mind as I asked that question. Paul writes, fan in the flame the gift that was given to you by the laying on of my hands. It implies like Paul was there with him. Mm-hmm. He was laying his hands on him. He was working with him. 
like Scott, you were saying life on life. He was doing life together with Timothy. And I'm sure that Timothy just learned so much from Paul and took mm-hmm. what he learned. And then like we, like Bill said, we don't know who Timothy's next person was exactly, but I'm sure that he was able to pour into that person with what he had received. And then that was probably true of the next person and on down the line. Why do you guys think mentorship is important to our development? What is it? What kind of value does it add? Or what, what are the, the pros of mentorship for us? Both for the, I guess for the mentee and the mentor, both. Well, feel free to take it whichever direction you want. Well, Elmer Murdoch in my life gave me a lot more confidence mm-hmm. because I was facing problems planting a church. One of them ongoing, just like everything we tried to do with evangelism didn't seem to work. Mm-hmm. And I'd bring that to the table and he would he would say, yes, we're running into that same problem at our church. And his church had 6,000 people. But I remember one time he came and he had a really beautifully done postcard. And he said, see this? I said, yeah. So he names the name. He says, Mr. So-and-so in our church was trying to do a Bible study in his neighborhood. And he gave out these postcards in his neighborhood. He, gave, he, he was really gung-ho. He gave out 60 of them, talked to people. Asked him to come. Guess how many people came to his Bible study? He said, I don't know, five? He says, this many, zero. So that's bad news. And yet it said to me, hey, it's not that you're doing something wrong. It's that this is a lot harder than all of us realize. This is a lot harder doing evangelism. I heard recently it takes a special kind of person to plant a church. (laughs) <laughs> it's difficult to do. It's the hardest thing I've ever done. And all I felt like doing was quitting every day. Mm-hmm. Just like there, I, there was hardly ever a day where I didn't feel like, this is nuts. Just get out of this. Mm-hmm. But I stayed with it 16 years in the first place and eight mm-hmm. in the second. So I just thankfully didn't quit. But man, there's just so much stress. And a lot of it's financial stress because mm-hmm. you got to have people in order to have offerings and the offerings need to be big enough in order to support your family. So it's a real vicious cycle mm-hmm. because you don't want it to be, you just see people as they will support me. That's yeah. ridiculous. And yet you don't want to turn them off because then that, that weakens the church to have them walk out the door. Yeah. I think accountability is really important. I know it is for me mm-hmm. to have someone that's going to ask me, a, hey, did you get in the Bible this week? Did you mm-hmm. ask me the hard questions? Or be willing to call me out on it. Maybe I've got an attitude about something and to say, hey, that's that's not right. Someone that's willing to, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I think that, that part of mentorship, I think, is really important, at least for me as someone that's being mentored by someone. I mean, like, I really do appreciate that. I need someone that's kind of keeping me in check, mm. making that's mm. willing to to do that and ask the hard questions. I feel like, oh, I'm not going to say anything, even if he's saying something that sounds weird. I'm just going to let it go. Someone that's really going to call me out if I say something dumb. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have a bad attitude. Yeah, I would say like it really helps us grow as people. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, like my family never had like the best financial kind of situation Mm -hmm. part of it was like our own financial budgeting and kind of how we went about that 
Mm-hmm. But having Vince who, you know, went from not having a lot or being able to make a lot mm-hmm. and then back to nothing and, you know, kind of building himself up from this where, you know, 50 bucks a month from doing property management was what got him diapers and milk. Mm-hmm. Um, and having him be able to kind of guide me in that and um, the importance of tithing and... Mm-hmm. Um, but you gave a great tithing story last month. Well, <laughs> yeah, I wish everyone could hear. Yeah, it was fantastic. Thank you, Dan. Yeah. Um, but yeah, really helping me kind of fill out other portions mm-hmm. of my life that the other people, you know, I just didn't have that from mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think yeah, getting mentored it's helped me just like like you can can keeping you accountable. Mm-hmm. kind of helping you become a better you mm-hmm. I think of the person that's being approached being to be men like I want you to be my mentor like and that person may feel like oh man I don't have the experience or I don't have the knowledge to or I'm not like I'm not far along, enough along in my faith but I'd encourage you if someone is kind of asked that of you or you think this person maybe I could mentor them like you've been blessed and God has given you the experiences he's given you the life he's given you for a reason and not to just keep it to yourself. Um, it's your life isn't your own, and they encourage you to use mm-hmm. it to mentor someone else. And that's not to say that you have to think you're like, oh, now I know it all and know everything. I can help this person. But I always find in those relationships too that I've had, like, I, if I'm mentoring someone, I gain just as much from them. I feel like I maybe even more than I feel like I can be able to give. Like, there's always just so much to learn from each other. Do you guys think that we can outgrow our need for a mentor or mentorship? Do you get to a certain age and think, okay, I'm good now. I don't need a mentor. I imagine you get to a certain age where it's hard to find a mentor. (laughs) Yeah, I'm there. I mean, if I look at people that are further down the road, now they're starting to lose their faculties. Mm -hmm. So that's pretty awkward. You, You don't want that. But then... There's a way around it to a degree anyway. You, you latch on to people who are really good at something mm-hmm. and you say, can you help me with this? Mm-hmm. And I, I have that with Dave Lorenz. Mm-hmm. Dave Lorenz really, really has said more about practical things regarding personal finance than anybody I've ever known. Really down-to-earth ideas that work. Mm-hmm. So... I'm in a retirement program with the Alliance called Empower Retirement. And hopefully it'll be within another two weeks. Dave will sit down at the computer with me and say, this is where I think you should go with your investments this year. And I'll tell you why. And then he, there's a, he went over it last year with me and I just could not follow what he was doing with the, with the computer. So I said, would you please do that again with me this year? And hopefully I catch on to it this year. Um, but, but there's a case where he's actually four years younger than me, but he really, really knows his stuff. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I want to learn from Dave. Yeah. I think we see, and I, I speak kind of as a pastor, kind of with that bent of seeing other pastors in the past, just really, kind of have that 
thought of I I've outgrown my need for mentorship. I don't need it anymore. Mm. And just the trouble that's got them. And I'm listening to a podcast about a church in a church that used to exist in Seattle mm. that had multi sites and over fifteen thousand people. The pastor at one point said, I, I don't need it. No one can mentor me. Like their church isn't as big as mine. Mine is bigger and better and I don't need a mentor. And ultimately this church that I did a lot of good through it and a lot of people were reached, but it ended up imploding. It doesn't exist anymore. Wow. Wow. It was all built around one person that refused to like submit to any kind of leadership or authority and didn't have a mentor and didn't think he needed it and it just went kind of crazy. Wow, that is a mind-boggling story yeah. to go from 15,000 to not existing that quickly. Yeah. Ooh. I think um, that you never, like Bill was just saying, you know, you, you're never going to really outgrow the need to learn and, and to learn from other people and to be mentored, uh, even if it changes a little bit. But I also think that if you... If it, you're having difficulty finding someone to be a mentor, if you're further along in your life, then certainly look for some people that you can mentor. Mm. Um, because I, th- one thing I've found as I've mentored some younger guys in my life is that I get a lot out of our yeah. our conversations oh, too. Yeah. Um, and so I think I think you do need to be looking for a mentor for yourself too. But if that's just really not happening, if you're like I'm 70 years old and I'm a genius, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, find some younger people that you can be mentoring. Um, at least in the meantime, because you know they they need it, and it's gonna it's really gonna help you too. Um, yeah, it really is like a two way relationship. It's yeah. not. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm gonna pour into you now. It's like you, there's give and take. You give yeah. and you get from them as well. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. ideally, I think you should. I'll go on out on a limb and say always, if as possible, you should always be in a relationship in which you're being mentored, in a relationship in which you're mentoring someone else, if, mm. if you can. I don't think that's ever gonna change, even if you're. You know, a kid, you know, there are kids younger than you. You, you can come alongside them mm-hmm. and it's going to look different because you're children. But, you know, or you're a teenager, you can, you can mentor the younger kids or you're a young adult, you can mentor the teenagers. And, and certainly, in, you know, until you're, until you reach the end of your life, there's people that are older than you that can mentor you. And, and even then, like Bill said, there's ways around that too. So mm-hmm. I think everyone, everyone should be in these kinds of relationships. If you're in a really good friendship with somebody, there's mentorship going on, oh, yeah. even yeah. though it's not formalized. Mm-hmm. So I think of David and I, I know I've learned a great deal from David and Marina too, just being here at the church and seeing what they do. And hopefully they've learned something from me. So you get around people who are really your peers and it, it's got so much in common with mentoring. Mm. Mm. It's that openness of the relationship where you can talk freely that that really is the key ingredient. Well, I think the disciples really probably mentored each other to some degree. We always think of it as Jesus was the mentor and then he had 12 disciples. That's true. But then there were times where he sends them off two by two they're learning from each other, particularly in those two-by-two relationships. But good grief, they're camping out all the time and they're walking all the time. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they learned a lot from one another. Yeah. There had to be a lot of give and take when you've got people like Simon the Zealot teamed up with Matthew the tax mm-hmm. collector. And you have a fisherman teamed up with somebody who maybe worked 
in in an area that wasn't so physical. You think, huh? It it really revolutionized their lives, being so close to one another. And the passage that really tells me how close they were to one another, Peter has denied Jesus. Jesus has risen from the dead. Peter's in a funk, and he says, I'm going fishing. And the mm. other disciples said, we'll go with you. <laughs> and, and so even though it's almost like, is Peter really good with Jesus? I think he was, but but they just were together. They spent a lot of time together, even though they were in that transition period of, what are we going to do? Jesus mm. isn't around like he used to be. He's risen from the dead. The Jewish leaders still hate us. What are we going to do? But one thing they did, they stuck together. Mm. I'm, I'm just so blessed by that, how they stuck together. What you're saying makes me think of those passages where it says, well, Jesus sent out the 72, mm. like these bigger groups. And you wonder, were the, were the 12 then mentoring these other people that were, yeah. were being sent out to? I, bet, I, I would... I'm not a betting person. Well, I can't say that because we're going to do bets just this, in a, here in a minute or two. <laughs> not a betting person, bet, except for all I those am, times you except have Except for when we do on the podcast. The podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Woo. Well, listeners, if you'd like to be part of the show, just like Josh is part of the show today, woo, you can send questions, would you rather's, trivia quizzes, jelly beans, which we're eating right now, and mentorships to <laughs> podcast at bloomingdalechurch.org. For our closing segment, yeah, I gave it away. It's bets. Mm. We don't have the results of the last bet, Max. <laughs> you didn't give it to us. <laughs> He's not here to let us know who won our last bet, and he didn't text me and let me know. So instead, we have a new bet, and mm. I guess the winner will get double the jelly beans, but not mm. the ones that were in the location where we store everything because they're now gone. <laughs> Today is very simple. How many of the gray communication cards that we include in the weeklies for our indoor services? will be turned in this weekend. Oh. How many? You're not allowed to check your email right now and read the prayer request. Oh, that's Cut true, because they do have the prayer request yes. on there too, so those get submitted. All right. Hmm. All right. I'm going to text this to Max as we record so that I don't have to write it down and then lose it and forget. But then also the prayer request might come from online. That's true. That's a good they point. Do. That's a good point. All right, do you have a number in mind? Just the cards. cards. We don't have pens. So we're relying on the honor system this week. All right, well, let me get my my number. Josh, do you have a number? No. (laughs) Bill, do you have a number? 42. Bill says 42. Don't let that influence any of you. Well, I wasn't firmly decided, but I had a number in mind, and when Bill said 42, I'm like, well, I guess I have to go with the one that I had in mind, which was 45. Okay. Mine was 27. All right. Josh? Uh, mine's going to be in the honor of Gavin uh, and be 66. <laughs> 66. For his favorite uh, Star Wars character, uh, Emperor Palpatine. <laughs> hmm. Which Gavin? Anderson. Him and Holden. Both, both of their favorites <laughs> is Palpatine. <laughs> All right. Well, guys, my notes are confusing. It says that I'm going to ask myself to take us home. But I'm not going right. to do that. And it also says Bill. In the- <laughs> <laughs> so that's all the time we have for this week. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, me. And thank you, Josh. 
Thank you. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Dan. <laughs> thank you being here. Those are really yes. <laughs> Dan, no, not Dan. Bill, take us home. You have been listening to the Bloomingdale Church Podcast, brought to you from Bloomingdale, Illinois, the heart of the nation. Woo! Yeah. <laughs>
real successful businessmen. And I think ultimately her father owned seven banks and she inherited them. So when she lived in Hollywood, she had a mansion. This is not your typical Christian worker living in a mansion. And she had a sister named Betsy who had seemingly very little going for her, but she was great with hospitality. So she would cook and clean, and there would be this constant troop of people coming through their home. I, I remember two of them were Bill and Vonette Bright. They lived with Henrietta Mears for a couple of years at least so that they could get Campus Crusade off the ground. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to reading the rest of this book because this woman, she really served the Lord with distinction. Mm. They say, well, she never preached on Sunday morning. She wasn't pushing the envelope for women's rights. She just kept plugging away. But they say it sounds like she preached every Sunday night. Mm. She would have this Monday... Sunday school teachers leaders meeting every Monday. And she's probably got, I'll say, 400 teachers in this, this uh, event. So she's teaching them how to teach. Man, it's, it's just mind boggling what she pulled off. She was just a phenomenal organizer, phenomenal teacher. So Billy Graham was crazy about her. He was in her Sunday school class for a little while. And wow. Dawson Trotman, the founder of Navigators, was rubbed shoulders with her for a while. And Talk about mentorship, man. Yeah. yeah. Lewis Evans Jr. became the pastor of Hollywood Presbyterian. He was in her Sunday school class. He married a movie starlet named Colleen Townsend, which I need to look up because I think I don't remember ever seeing a movie with Colleen Townsend, but they had a picture of her in a book that I saw, and she, she was very beautiful. So she became a pastor's wife. Um, yeah, Henrietta Mears, 